Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Eden Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Thank you to all of you who week after week tune in to Permission to Think. My desire is to push our thinking, encourage you, and remind you that there is always hope regardless how bad things get. I hope this podcast has blessed you and added value to your life. For more information, please visit erustrian.com. This week, we begin a new series on the topic, A Leader's Delusion, Transforming the Delusional Leader Within. In this series, we're going to talk about the delusional aspects of a leader, who is a leader, what great leaders do, what does the Bible say about leadership, and why we have such an urgent need for real leadership in our world today. Join me as we give ourselves permission to thank. My desire in starting this series, A Leader's Delusion, Transforming the Delusional Leader Within, is to speak to the dire need and urgency for great leadership. I've had the incredible opportunity to have worked under and served many leaders, some great, some good, some bad, and some downright ugly. And throughout all those experiences, I have learned some very valuable lessons on what to do and what not to do. My objective, my objective in speaking on a leader's delusion is to bring to light the anemic state or aspect of leadership in our organizations, institutions, and families. But before I continue, I must be fully transparent that this topic is a personal topic for me because I have gone through my own personal journey, my own personal shortcomings, my transformation, but with a sincere commitment and affinity to continue to grow. Uh, I've had to face reality and I began a painstaking process to grow as a person and as a leader as well. So I want to be forthcoming and letting you know that I have gone through a process and I'm still going through it, but my desire is always to be the best person and the best leader I can be to serve all those around me. And it begins with leading myself, leading my family, my community, and the things that I have been entrusted with. So let's start by defining what the word delusion is. Delusion is defined as an idiosyncratic belief or impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is generally accepted as reality or rational argument, typically a symptom of mental disorder. So let me give you an example of what I mean by a delusional um, mindset or aspect. So it, let's propose that I am, suppose that I am um, going to the bank and I'm going to go and withdraw some money from there. And I'm going to withdraw maybe $20,000 from my account. As I go to the, um, the teller, I give them my ID and my bank card and everything, and I make my receipt out. And the person tells me, well, Mr. Rustrian, I cannot give you the money that you're requesting to withdraw. And I say, absolutely. I, this is my bank. I bank here, and I would like to withdraw $20,000. Well, the only problem is that you don't have $20,000. You only have $5,000. Well, no, there is, I, I need to take out $20,000. But sir, you cannot withdraw $20,000. You can only withdraw the five that you have. And so if I keep at this rate, the person is going to look at me like I'm crazy. 
and they're going to look for some evidence of deposits that I have made, withdrawals that I have made, and things that will certify and confirm that I have money in my bank account that allows me to withdraw that specific amount that I desire to withdraw. Let's look at it another way. What about if I go to uh, place my paperwork for retirement? I'm currently at the recording of this um, podcast. I'm 45 years old. I'm about to turn 46 now in August 20th. But let's say that I go and put my paperwork for retirement. And so I'm going to tell the person, look, I am 65 years old. I am ready for retirement. And so I'm going to put in for my pension. I'm going to put in to, with, to just start collecting my um, social security and my pension. And they're going to go back and look at all my documents, my paperwork. They're going to look at everything, the, the years that I worked at. And they're going to say, well, Mr. Rustrian, you don't have the, the time. You don't have the age yet. You, know, you cannot put in for you. You still have a long way to go. No, 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 no. But I want to put this. This is exactly how I'm feeling right now. And I want to put this paperwork in because I want to retire. They're going to look at me and say, sir, I think that you have, you're quite delusional in your assessment of where you are in your life. And by definition, they're going to say this, this man is a little crazy, right? And so the idea is that you, you believe that you are something that you are not, that is contradicted to the reality of who you are and what you are. So I wanted to just set up those two very examples because I think it is imperative to know that there is such a thing as absolute truth by facing the reality by which we are in. And so delusion is to say like, you know, oh, this is, this is nothing's happening in our world today. Everything is peachy. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great when we know the reality in the state of the world that is in. Whether you are looking at politics, whether you're looking at finances, whatever area of life that you're looking at right now, every institution, every organization, you might be scratching your head and saying, what is going on here? When did we lose the concept of reality and what was really meaningful? And so what I want to just really think about today is that with all of us, in all of us, there is an aspect of delusion. There is an aspect that we believe what we believe without actually searching for the validity of something that we're holding dear to our lives. The reality is that we are in a very dysfunctional and chaotic world, but it's not by by accident. It's not by coincidence. It has been designed that way. But also, when we look closely, at the leaders who have been leading our major and the top organizations in our country, when you realize that everything is rotten at the very top and at the very core, you see the dysfunction and the delusion that exists there. There is evidence to believe that why now that trickles all the way down to every aspect of leadership in our society. So, let me um, just give you some quotes because I think that uh, some questions because I think it's very important for us to give ourselves permission to think about these following statements. Okay, who is a leader? Are we all leaders? Do I have to have a position to be identified as a leader? What's your personal leadership quote? We all have that. I love reading them on social media. Every everyone always 
likes to post these really pithy, kind of catchy quotes that, you know, talk about great leadership and I sometimes scratch my head, well, what's the point of that if we're still not seeing it as evident? What is your leadership style? What is your leadership philosophy? What is your leadership responsibility? What is your leadership vision and mission? What is the truth about your leadership style and whose version do you believe most, right? These are just some questions to give us some permission to think about who we are, what we are in the world that we serve as leaders. So how do these leadership quotes sound to you? They're going to sound great. Okay. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way and shows the way. That's my dear friend, John C. Maxwell. Leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. Warren Bennis. Leadership is unlocking people's potential to become better. Bill Bradley. Innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. Steve Jobs. People who enjoy meetings should not be in charge of anything. Thomas Sowell. Management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Peter Drucker. Before you lead anyone... You must learn to lead yourself. Now, I say that because every aspect of leadership begins with the self. It is important for us to understand that everyone is a leader, whether you're a good one, a bad one, or one that's in the process of it. It's everyone who's around you would tell you that if you give them permission to say So it is important that the first analysis that we do is about ourselves. Before you lead anyone or anything for that matter, you must learn to lead yourself. These are some statements made by delusional leaders. Listen, listen to these statements and you tell me how these things sound. Okay. I am an excellent communicator. I don't know why people can't understand what I'm saying. The company is lucky to have a leader like me. I'm not the problem. We're in a down market. The people love me. They just don't know it yet. I'm right most of the time. I value open communication, but everyone is scared to speak up. Why? I don't know why people say I'm not approachable. I'm a nice person. I'm the reason the company is successful. I'm the leader, so I know more than everyone else in this company. If I'm not around, the company falls apart. In the article, uh, there was an article that I read recently in Forbes magazine, uh, and it stated that leadership training is a $366 billion global industry. Yes, you heard right. A $366 billion global industry with an estimate of $166 million annually spent on leadership development in the USA alone. That's just in the USA. We spend about $166 billion a year, okay, on developing leaders in the United States. Organizations must transform these mission-critical programs to create real and lasting impact. Here's my question. Where is the return of investment? Why do we spend billions of dollars in developing people to lead and we have the world that we have today? 
Where's the impact? Where are the leaders? There is a deficiency of great leaders in our institutions. We see it everywhere. But yet, we play the status quo. Where are the Winston, Winston Churchills of today? Where are the Martin Luther's? Where are the Gandhi's, the Mother Teresa's, the Lincoln's, the Mandela's? Where are the people who led by example, who committed themselves to a virtue and a calling higher than a paycheck, higher than their own status, that they believed in dying for such a cause that they didn't matter whether they were ridiculed, whether they were imprisoned, whether they lived in poverty, or whether they even sacrificed their own life for something that they believed. Where are those leaders who stood for the virtue of true justice, not some advocacy group, not some activists that we see many times in our, in our times today? So we just borrow uh, punchlines and just become these parrots that repeat everything what everybody else is saying, but we don't take the time to really study and to really read and to really know the impact of the things that we're seeing by the decisions that are being made at the higher levels. So it is important that we identify the qualities of a life of a great leader, okay? So let me give you just this thoughts on what leadership is not. Leadership is not a pay raise. Okay, most people chase this because of the status quo that I'm going to make more money. And yet, we all learn in life sooner or later that when you make decisions based on money alone, it's a really bad decision. Leadership is not a shiny new desk with a window view. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is not do what I say, not what I do. Leadership is not a podium for bullying people. Leadership is not me at the top and everyone else at the bottom. Author Mike Hyatt wrote 15 ways to identify bad leaders. I'm just going to share a few with you. When leaders fail to lead themselves, that was one. A leader who lacks character or integrity will not endure the test of time. This is true. I often wonder why we put people in positions of power and yet we're surprised when we see them just completely lack character and integrity and you see that they lie right through the teeth and everyone's okay with that. Number two, put up or shut up. Nothing smacks of poor leadership like a lack of performance. Nobody's perfect, but leaders who consistently fail are not leaders, no matter how much you wish they were. Number three, be aware of the know-it-all leader. The best leaders are acutely aware of how much they don't know. They have no need to be the smartest person in the room, but have the unyielding desire to learn from others. Number four, one-size-fits-all leadership style. The best leaders are fluid and flexible in their approach. They understand the power of and necessity for contextual leadership. Number five, it's all about them. This is the leader, the leader that is all about who they are, okay? If a leader doesn't understand the concept of service above self, they will not engender the trust, confidence, and loyalty of those they lead. Notice the quote there, that there was a quote there. It says, service above self. And this is the big part of my theory of my, my philosophy that I adapted into my leadership is service above self. And as I mentioned before, 
over $366 billion to spend globally on developing leaders. That's a lot of money invested on people who, to lead some of the wealthiest and most impactful organizations. So let me ask you the question. I know I'm going to trigger some people here. I know some of them might get upset, but I'm okay with that if that forces us to think. And if you disagree with what I'm about to say, I hope to hear from you and you share your thoughts with love and respect. Because after all, if you're listening to this podcast and something triggers you, I want to hear from you and to engage in a meaningful conversation. Even if you disagree with me, that's okay. I don't take that personal. I don't take it as a personal vendetta towards me. But as a society, it is imperative that we are thinking about the very things that we talk about and we share and that we sat down and we actually really gave it a lot of thought to say, how do I feel about this topic? It's not about driving emotions up, but it's about speaking the truth and getting to the bottom of things. And I have in my process, as I mentioned before, I have come to terms with understanding that I'm constantly growing, that I am constantly constantly looking for ways to improve and to learn from others. So if you're going to disagree with the next statement I'm going to make, I want to hear from you, okay? But here's my question. Do you think that before a company or institution considers a person for a leadership position, they should look into the person's ability to lead themselves and their homes as a standard procedure to measure the quality of their character and ability to lead a major organization? I know this question sounds judgmental and perhaps inappropriate and unnecessary, but it is an honest question, and I hope it makes us think critically about the important role leaders play in our organizations, companies, and institutions. My thoughts behind this question, however, is that if people neglect or uninvolved in leading their most precious asset, okay, their families, their children, their homes, themselves, should they be trusted to lead a major corporation? I guess the bigger question to ask here is, do you believe that a person's public life should be a reflection of their personal life? Or should they be kept separate? Some people believe that your personal life should not reflect your public life and vice versa. But it's the same person. Do you want someone to lead your organization who has integrity and character flaws and issues? Because if they have character and integrity issues, what do you think how they're going to lead the company? How are they going to run the institution? How are they going to run any organization for that matter? It raises a lot of red flags and a lot of people are not vetted thoroughly before they are entrusted with a major um, vision for a company organization. This, in my opinion, should be a way to begin to vet people as leaders to make sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into. Let me share with you another perspective, and it's a biblical one. But before I do, let me say this. I know this is going to shake and upset a lot of church people, and I'm okay with that. Okay? I'm okay saying this because I'm going to say it with lots of love and respect, and I would love to hear from you as well on this very next comment. There are people who are called pastors, worship leaders, deacons, bishops, elders, or have some sort of position in the church leadership that have no business doing it. I want you to think about what I'm saying here. There are people who are in ministries, who are head of ministries, that are, uh, uh, that are leading um, uh, big areas in churches that have no business leading anything. 
And we live in a world today that we have taken the word judgment as to be, you can't judge people, Evan. That's God's work. What I'm going to share with you is not my words. It comes directly from the Bible. But the problem that I find with many people is that they try to justify a position. They try to justify a perspective and a point of view in order for them to stay in power or to continue a particular lifestyle or continue to just do what justified and feels right in their eyes. And this is where we lost credibility in many of our churches, that because we don't want to sound judgmental, because we don't want to set a high standard for doing things, we lose the most um, obvious things that the word of God, the Bible has spoken to us. Okay. So again, let me repeat this, okay? There are people who are called pastors, worship leaders, deacons, bishops, elders, or some who have some sort of position in the church leadership that have no business leading anything. They love the attention, the podium, but dislike the very people they claim to serve. Their life and their family is falling apart and they won't let go of their position of ministry because they care too much about their identity and their whole being is wrapped up around their position. Read the Bible and see if it lines up with your leadership responsibilities. Here's why many have left the church, okay? And they keep leaving because there is no level of accountability for those in leadership. The standard is very low. And I truly believe it with all my heart is because there's a true misrepresentation or interpretation of what grace is is and mercy is grace is not a license to continue to be defiant continue to live a disobedient life and live neglectful if you have any competent leader in your ministry step him down mentor him pray for him restore him equip him but evaluate his personal values and make that person effective for the kingdom this is what timothy one to first timothy chapter 3 1 through 5 says listen this is not my words this is what it says in the bible this is what it says in first timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 here is a a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task now the overseer is to be above reproach faithful to his wife temperate self-control respectable hospitable able to teach not given to drunkenness nor violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect if anyone does not know how to manage his own family how can he take care of the church i'm going to read Another version, this is the message version, because I think it gives us some language that is kind of a little more clear for those who um, like this version as well. This is what the message version of this, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good. But there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, accessible, and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about, not be overfond of wine, not pushy, but gentle, not thin-skinned, not money-hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children 
and have their respect. For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? It is so clear. It is so evident that the standard that God besets before anyone who aspires leadership in the church is number one, you better have your you better have your act together. You better know what you're talking about. You must be able to lead yourself well and a reflection of you leading your home. I feel like over time, like I feel like our society has made God this true progressive God. You know, like if the Bible all of a sudden just became something like, you know, God is, he's my friend. And and we just trivialize God. We just make God this joke, this kind of like, you know, he loves me just the way I am. He does, I don't have to change anything. And the problem is that we've actually believed this to be true. And in every episode, in every encounter that you meet Jesus in the Bible, he, he goes to the sinner with love and with kindness. And then what does he tell them? Go and sin no more. There is a true transformation. There is a true regeneration that is done in the person because now they've met the living God. So... If, if I'm not saying this, this is what the Bible says. If anyone desires leadership in, in the church, particularly, they desire a good thing. But your character, your integrity, the fruits of the spirit to show that you know what you're talking about. And I think that the challenge in many ways that we have today is that we have a lot of motivational speakers in our, in, in our pulpits. We have a lot of superstar preachers in our altars. They're just stirring our emotions, but they don't stir the conscience and the heart of the person. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring the word of God into a person's heart and transform it. And I feel that we're just more interested and intrigued and a desire to grow our media platforms than it is to really have a genuine impact in the lives of the people we claim to serve. A leader's delusion is to think that he or she can thrive in leadership when his or her personal world is falling apart. What you do in your public life should be a reflection of your private life by virtue of character, integrity, courage, commitment, honesty, kindness, and excellence. Effective leadership is putting first thing first. Effective management is discipline, carrying it out. That's what Stephen Covey said. So how do we overcome the obstacle of a leader's delusion? And this is the process that, as I told you at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I have have gone through a transformation and a growth process where I had to deal with a lot of things that were internal in order for me to move forward. Okay, so I'm going to give you five keys to help the delusional leader within. Okay, number one, face reality. We must be able to speak to our current situation and be as honest about our reality and our leadership and the people we lead. Face reality. If you're in a bad place, your company's in a bad place, your church, your institution, whatever it is that you're leading, if it's in a bad place, face the reality of where it is. But you must speak truth to that current situation as honestly as you possibly can. Number two, take inventory. 
Think about what's going well and what you need to work on. Pick one area for growth and focus on that only. Don't try to fix too many things at the same time. You're going to grow frustrated, discouraged, and eventually just drop in and give up. Okay? Number three, accountability. Have someone you trust and confide in help you to monitor your blind spots. Blind spots are areas where you leave yourself exposed and have a propensity to fall and fail. Don't be afraid to speak about your shortcomings. Everyone in your team already knows them. I have people in my life who hold me accountable. I have people in my life who tell me, whoa, 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 Edwin, don't, don't, don't go that rabbit hole. Don't do that. You got to stay in your lane. Stay here. There's that accountability measure. These are the people who call me up and say, hey, Edwin, okay, they watch my blind spots and I have specifically chosen and given people those, that per, the permission so they can hold me accountable. It starts particularly with my wife, right? That she is the first one to tell me, hey, honey, what's going on? Okay, number four, listen, listen, listen. The challenge many leaders face is that they never stop speaking. Pause. Be the last one to speak in the room. When asking for your team's input, hold your position to the very end. Your team may have some valuable insight and ideas they want to share. Listen, listen, listen. In his book, The Effective Executive, Peter Drucker writes, listen first, speak last. And too many of us leaders at times, we just want to get our point across and then we ask everyone else what they think. But why would they? You already said as a leader what you think. Who's going to go against that perspective? The idea is that we speak last. And we're not hearing people. We are being intentional in listening to who and what is being said. Okay. Number five, celebrate small wins. Chart your growth process and celebrate those small wins. As you develop your plan and choose one area for growth, when you accomplish it and see a growth, celebrate it with others. Give others permission to see your growth and celebrate it with you. Don't wallow in self-deprecation when someone's complimenting you in your small wins. Great leaders are developed and polished through time. Remember, maturity takes time and is never rushed. Expediency is your enemy. Be patient. Be patient with your process. Don't rush it. Give it time. Take time to be alone and to reflect. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, think about that journey and that goal that you set before yourself, okay? Think about it. So the five keys to help you, to help the delusional leader within, face reality. Take Number two, take inventory. Number three is accountability. Number four, listen, listen, listen. And number five, create small wins. As we go in through this series, we're going to really tap into areas that is really going to help us see and grow the delusional leader within. This process and this journey is a very difficult one. It has been for me for many years. I've had many people mentor me through a lot of this process, and I want to make sure that I'm giving you something that I know that I have first experienced living. And the many things that I'm going to share in the next few episodes, I hope that it really adds value to you and, and motivates you and inspires you to look at the aspects of where we are in our world today. Where is it? 
that we have missed the mark. And if the per, if your personal, if our personal life should be a reflection when we go into a public life. And I think that the biggest challenge we have ahead is that we have said the lies too many times that we see them now as truth. It is time to really take a moment, pause, and think about you, yourself, as a leader. How are you leading your life? And if you don't know how, and if you need help, seek a mentor, seek a coach, let me know. Reach out, send me an email. I don't know how to overcome this. I don't know how to do this. It is imperative that we begin to turn the tide of the most destructive aspects of leadership and that we begin to lead ourselves first. Begin to take an analysis of our families and lead our families well. How is the financial situation at home? How is the morale at your home? How is the professional development of your home? How are the human resources in your home? The same elements that you find in a company, you find in a home. How is the spiritual life in your home? How do your children see you as the leader of the home? How do you elevate and promote and celebrate the members of your family? How do you bring the family together and provide a vision and a mission statement for their future? How do they see you making decisions in life? Do you just make them just out of the air or do you actually set up a plan so your family can see, hey, the leader of my house is really committed to the success of our family. Who are you reading? Who are, are, you, are you following great leaders? Are you reading biographies of great leaders? Are you providing texts and conversations at the board meetings that you have in your home, which is called a dinner table? Do you put forth a plan financially for your family and for the year, for the fiscal year? Do you have conversations about the next five years? It is imperative that as leaders of our home, when we provide these tools and resources to our family and we bring them together and they are part of it, there are many times, I have to share this, there are many times that in, in my, at the dinner table I have remained quiet intentionally to listen to every member of my family speak and share. And I can't tell you how many times we walk away with a clear conscience and understanding of what has just been said and where we're going as a family. And I have to be transparent too. There have been moments that we have been more confused. And in those moments where there's confusion, we pause. And we wait. And we pray. And we wait. And we seek counsel. And we wait. And so a leader knows and takes accountability for the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we lead by example, and we serve the very people who we claim to lead. I leave you with our quote of the day, and it comes from my dear friend, Brian Tracy. People watch their leaders and emulate their behaviors and attitudes. Through your character, personality, and work habits, 
you must set the example that you want to see in others. Till next time, my beautiful people. Remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.